Well, hello and welcome back to Out of Curiosity. This is our podcast where we're seeking biblical clarity for modern questions. I'm Nick. I'm Garland. And today we are continuing our uh, study of the book of Revelation and all things in times eschatological. And so we want to ask the question, will Jesus return as a warrior? Yeah, so when when we let, let me ask you this: When you picture Jesus coming back, uh, what's the picture that comes to your mind? You know, t- to be perfectly honest, like the picture I have in my mind is ripped straight out of Lord of the Rings, and it's Gandalf coming over the hill toward Helm's Deep, and so he's like on a horse, and he's got like a huge cavalry behind him, and so I picture like Jesus is coming over the hill, swooping down into the earth to to fight all the bad guys. And is he holding? He's holding a big giant sword. Okay, so he's coming back. He's yep. ready to whoop. Yep. Uh, like he's coming back and he's mad. Yes. Right. Yeah. Okay. But I, definitely charging with the sword yes, held out. Yes. So um, I think that's what most of us picture Jesus's return. And when I've asked that question to other people before, uh, you know, various images come out like uh, Jesus holding a, like a, an a assault rifle. I got all sorts of these kind of images kind of our mind. And I think we, we say frequently things like this. Jesus came the first time meek and mild but when he comes the second time, he's coming like angry and wrathful. Right. And uh, what I've noticed is for a lot of people, when you when we start to dig down into that, though, that makes that can make us really uneasy. Like, OK, so not playtime's over. Nice guy is no, no more. Now he's coming back just ready to kill. Uh, yeah. And there's going to be just blood piled up and Jesus is going to love it. And that that <laughs> gets a, that gets us a little bit uneasy yeah um and i think it can charge some uh some some things in us that can be overly uh, favorable toward that kind of thinking yep. and so what we want to do is we want to see is that the presentation revelation is giving us and uh to do that we're going to get first we got to look at the the what some scholars call the central or the centralizing vision of revelation okay. i think if we see this it might orient how we see all the other visions in revelation then we'll look at uh, actually chapter 19 in the return uh, account of jesus so uh, let's pick it up in chapter four and five um Revelation begins, the second long vision in Revelation begins here, and uh, it's uh, describing the throne. And much like Ezekiel or Isaiah stand before the throne, and like prophets before, John has this vision of the throne of Yahweh, and then uh, a scroll is brought forth, and nobody's able to open the scroll. And We've got lots of songs that are about this uh, this particular uh, chapter. No one is worthy to open the scroll, and John gets really upset. He starts to weep. So imagine John, he's encountering this vision and now in the vision he begins to to weep and he's being really really careful with a literary device that he's using here but let's pick it up in chapter 5 revelation chapter 5 and read verses 3 through 5 please all right so this is revelation 5 3 in the niv but no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it i wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Okay, so pausing right there, here's a literary technique that John uses, and he uses it all over the place in Revelation. Uh, We're just going to highlight this one here. John will frequently have a messenger say something that he will hear. And then what he will hear and then turn and see 
are different things. Mm-hmm. And John loves to do this because it's going to highlight maybe the contrast. It's highlighting something that is not expected. So uh, imagine John, head in his hands, weeping over nobody able to open the scroll. So that's the image I have of him. He's weeping. He's got tears in his eyes. And this angel tells him, don't weep. Now, turn and see the lion of the okay. tribe of Judah, the root of David. He has conquered. But notice the very next verse, verse 6. What does he see when he looks? He's expecting a lion. And think about the image. A lion is a powerful, uh, strong animal. It comes in strength. Yeah. And that's an image that comes from Genesis 49, talking about uh, the scepter not departing from the lion of Judah, this power uh, of kingship, is this lion figure. He's head in hands. Hey, Look, man, and see the lion. But then he looks, and what does he see? Not a lion, but if you wouldn't mind, read verse 6. And then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. So this one, this lamb, is the one who's found, who is worthy to open the scroll. So what's the what's the very, very interesting and intentional literary thing John's trying to say. How did the king, the expected king of the Old Testament, how did this king accomplish his kingship? How did he get power? Well, it's not how any human king ever gets power. What The way he got power, the manner in which he gained power was by being a lamb that was slain. So the lion is the lamb. And so it's it's a very interesting technique that John is doing. He wants to highlight that the powerful lion is the slain lamb. And what that's doing is it's flipping on its head how we are to look at power. Uh, we look at the very moment when Jesus was crucified, it was the Romans asserting their power over Jesus. They are winning in that moment. And yet, our understanding is, on that very same moment, Jesus actually won the battle over them. It's a matter of your perspective. Uh, John is helping us to see that we are to have the perspective that in our beheadings, in our suffering, in our martyrdom, that's what's going on in the context of Revelation, it looks like Rome is winning, but we're actually winning because that's exactly how our king won. Now, this is the centralizing vision of Revelation. This vision of the king who's the slam lane, uh, the, the slam lane, the lamb that's slain, the king who is the lamb that is slain. With that as our vision, we then look at the rest of the revelation, and I think it's going to help us understand that that's how he always gets his power and authority. Now let's look at Revelation 19. So we're going to skip a whole lot of stuff here and go over to Revelation chapter 19. This is the vision of of the rider on the white horse, okay? okay? And in Revelation 19, it's been a contrast of two cities. There is the uh the prostitute riding a beast. It's the systems of empire. And then there's this figure, Jesus, riding on the white horse, and he's going to have a bride that's get, he's going to be meeting. So it's a it's a picture really of two women, a prostitute on a beast, and then a bride with the with a groom on a white horse. And we'll pick up this vision here in verse eleven. Let's read the vision of the the one on the white horse. Okay, Revelation nineteen eleven. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse, whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, 
and his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So, lots of imagery. Yeah. I mean, John is loading up the imagery here. Totally. But one of the things that, that uh, many commentators draw uh, our attention to is he's got a robe dipped in blood. Mm-hmm. So he's got a, he's wearing a bloody robe, mm-hmm. but in the context of revelation, this writer has not engaged in any battle. Yeah. This, he sees a vision of this writer up in the sky and the, the writer has not encountered any enemies at this point. And many commentators draw attention to uh, answering this question, whose blood is his robe dipped in. And yeah. I think our natural assumption is he's come down with an AK and he's been whooping <laughs> and that's the blood of his enemies. Right. Well, that many commentators are trying to help us to see that in fact, it might be his blood. The robe yeah. is dipped in his blood. How did he get power by being the lamb that was slain before encountering any enemies? He has a robe dipped in blood and whose blood it, it, it's possible, and in fact, maybe even likely, this it, John is trying to draw our attention to this being his blood, Jesus's blood. Now we have to make sense of okay, what's going on with the judgments right. all in this book, and, and and to do this. So any 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 comment so far? No, that's uh that, that's helpful and insightful. Okay, let's look at uh, the judgment, and to do that, we'll just use one example. Go to chapter six. Um, John is going to use imagery coming from Zechariah with these four different colored horses and their riders. And uh, the I think because of the horses and the riders where we get the Helm's Deep uh, Gandalf yeah, yeah, image. Yeah. Uh, I know that's where I get it. But he's got four horses uh, that come uh, in these visions, these seals. the four visions. horses of the apocalypse. Yes, the four horses of the apocalypse. And the question we want to answer right now is, what is the nature of the judgment? Mm-hmm. Um, I think we... We imagine these seals, these trumpets, and these bowls being uh, Jesus coming and pouring out all of this divine anger and wrath on the world. And I think we have to have a little bit more subtle look at it than that. Uh, It is judgment, but let's notice the nature of the judgment. Let's just uh, use, um, go to verse 5, chapter 6, verse 5. This is the third horse that appears. Revelation 6, 5. When the Lamb opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come. And I looked, and there before me was a black horse. Its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand. Then I heard what sounded like a voice among the four living creatures, saying, Two pounds for wheat of wheat for a day's wage, and six pounds of barley for a day's wages, and do not damage the oil and the wine. Okay, and let's look at the first horse. Look at uh, chapter one, uh, 6, verse 2. Chapter 6, verse 2, it says, I looked, and there before me was a white horse. Its rider held a bow, and he was given a crown, and he rode out as a conqueror bent on conquest. And let's look at the second one. When the lamb opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come. Then another horse came out, a fiery red one. Its rider was given power to take peace from the earth and to make people kill each other. To him was given a large sword. So just, I'm going to draw a couple of observations uh, first. What we're seeing is this is a vision that John is having. Okay, he's experiencing a vision, and it's symbolically going to demonstrate some things for us. But notice, it doesn't say that the riders on these horses, doesn't say that that's God. It doesn't say that it's 
angels even. It just says he sees a horse. And notice what the nature of these actual events seem to be. Uh, the first horse seems to be some kind of some kind of conquering going on. Doesn't doesn't give us any more color than that. The second horse we have peace taken from the we have war. War breaks out. The third horse economic uncertainty. Now, if you think about it, what the what the the images of the judge of these judgments is giving us is this is what happens in the world when empires rise and fall against each other. Uh, now, what we're supposed to see as the reader is God is God is presiding over the fall of these empires rising and falling. It's it is judgment, but I think when we have the picture of the horses are God's angels coming out to kill, as opposed to, well. This, this sounds like what happens when nations go against each other, clamoring for power. And when nations go against each other, clamoring for power, it is a sign of their judgment. Mm. It is God's verdict, we might say, that that's not the way that to gain power. That is beastly. It is unjust. And working our way through a lot of these images in uh, the, the judgment scenes in Revelation, Several of the seals or the trumpets or the woes, all these things, they're very symbolic, giving us a heavenly vision or a heavenly perspective on earth events. Mm -hmm. And so we can say definitively that God brings judgment on the powers of empire, for sure. That's going to be all over our prophecies in the Old Testament. It's here in Revelation as well. But it's much more nuanced than God sends out some figure to go and just kill a lot of humans. So what, we, what we're wanting to do is trying to get our understanding of when Jesus returns rightly oriented. And if our centralizing vision is the way that this king got power was by being a lamb who was slain, and he's got a robe, but it's a robe dipped in his blood, then maybe the image of Jesus coming with a sword. By the way, notice he has a sword in Revelation 19, but where is the sword? It's coming out it's, of his mouth. It's in his mouth. So what is the the, the judgment? Is he... he he dissects the heart with the word of the gospel. Hmm. The, the judgment is how you respond to the word that comes out of his mouth. It's not a sword in his hand. It's a sword in his mouth. So the sharpness of the judgment is how did you respond to the word, the proclamation of Jesus as king? Yep. And so uh, to me, this is interesting because it softened, I think, my picture of Jesus coming back with an AK-47 right. ready to shoot people. And that helped me. I don't know if it helps you. I don't know how people uh, uh, will hear this, but it... it it gave more nuance to that picture. And I, what I, I don't think I hear you saying is I don't think you're saying that there is not judgment for people who ultimately rebel against Correct. God. And that's going to be the, we call it the white throne and notice what happens. It's a word given about how you respond to the message of Jesus. Um, so yes, there is judgment. We're not saying uh, that all of a sudden it's th that, that concept has gone away, but the picture, the mental yeah. picture of Jesus's return is what we're trying to maybe clean up. That, that makes sense, and that is very helpful. So, hey, Garland, thanks for leading us, and thank you for listening to Out of Curiosity. Thank you for listening to Out of Curiosity. As we discussed, will Jesus return as a warrior? We encourage you to look into this more in Out of Curiosity, episode 51 and 52. If you want to send in a question or contact us, go to oocuriosity.com and follow us on Instagram at oocuriosity. Be sure to subscribe to keep up with future episodes.